You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. You got to study where you're making money, where you're losing money, the unit economics. You got to study what your competitors doing and create better marketing campaigns than they're running. You have to do the difficult work of creating an employee training system. And the difference between hard work and difficult work is it's hard to know when you're doing one or the other. But difficult work is usually the work that you're procrastinating on. Like you, you don't really want to like open up your books and, and clean them up. You don't want to look at the P&L and the balance sheet because nobody really taught you how to look at one and understand one. So therefore, your brain just wants to go do the, the hard work and not the difficult work. Today's guest successfully ran, grew, and exited from a landscaping company over 10 years ago, building it up to over 150 employees and decided that things might be easier if I got into the tech space and built a tech company. Well, I don't want to spill too much for you because he's going to share his story and the lessons that he's learned along the way. Some great insight, especially if you're a struggling entrepreneur to figure out how to work on the right things that are going to get you the results you want in your business. I want to introduce on today's show, Brian Clayton, the founder of GreenPal. Brian, welcome to the show. Brian, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. You know, we got to chat a little bit before I hit that record button, and I, I love the time that I got to spend with you because I learned so much more about your background, your history, and I really want you to share some of that with our listeners. But more importantly, I want to start with this first question. As someone who's successfully grown and exited from a landscaping company, what do you think the biggest myth entrepreneurs have about growing and potentially exiting their own business that's holding them back? What's that thing that they need to let go of a way of thinking or they need to shift their mindset on? I think one of the biggest myths that we're taught as business founders, as entrepreneurs, is that strictly hard work is the key to success. You got to work hard. You got to work hard to to build the company. You got to work hard on the uh, on the business to to grow it and sell it. And I think that's a myth. And don't misunderstand me that you're not going to be putting in a lot of hours. But I think the thing that gets confused and overlooked is it's not the hard work; it's the difficult work. And knowing the difference between what is hard work and what is difficult work. The difficult work is usually the stuff where you got to use your brain. You got to think through new ways of doing business, creating systems and routines and processes. You got to study the economics of the business. You got to study where you're making money, where you're losing money, the unit economics. You got to study what your competitors doing and create better marketing campaigns than they're running. You have to do the difficult work of creating an employee training system. And the difference between hard work and difficult work is... It's hard to know when you're doing one or the other, but difficult work is usually the work that you're that you're procrastinating on. Like you, you don't really want to like open up your books and, and clean them up. You don't want to look at the P and L and the balance sheet because you don't. Nobody really taught you how to look at one and understand one. So therefore, your brain just wants to go do the the hard work and not the difficult work. And then you get stuck in this trap where you're doing nothing but hard work and you're like burning yourself out and confusing activity with progress. Mm-hmm. 
and you're 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 caught in this 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 illusion of getting somewhere when when in fact you're just self-employed and uh, you're working really hard on being self-employed because you haven't done any of the difficult work. So you have to, and, and this is when I say you, I'm saying I'm really. T- pointing the finger right back so, at me. Something that you like, did. Yeah. I, 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 I spent like, oh, like half, of, like five years, uh, thinking like busting my ass, working seven days a week, hundred hour weeks, working really hard on my business and getting pissed off that we weren't making any money. We weren't growing. Our competitors were kicking our ass. And, um, and, and my business partner at the time, we were both burnt out. And I remember that this was really clear well, to, this like smacked me one day. It was a Sunday morning and he was taking pride that he was at the shop at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning because he wanted to drive three hours to go pick up a load of plant. Uh, we were in a landscaping business, pick up a load of plant material and, and drive it directly to a job. And we saved the trucking fee doing that. And we got the plants there on time for the crew to be there on Monday. And so he took pride in working really hard and doing that. And, I, and I'm thinking, this is the stupidest damn thing. Like half of the mind share of, of our co-founder group is, is in a truck driving to Atlanta and back on a Sunday when we really need to be studying like all of the, the key objectives, what we're trying to do. We really need to be digging into our books. We really need to be building a system of process, get that plant material on the job uh, and not have to do it ourselves. So it's like, I'm sure people are listening to this and like, yep, I've done that. And so we've all done that. And so the key to success is not hard work. The key to success is 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 creating time to do the difficult work and, and and executing on the difficult work. There is so much in what you just said to unpack here for a couple of things. One of the things I want to call out, I think it's really interesting. You hear a lot of people talk about the difference between working on the business and working in the business. Yeah, they're parallels. Yep. I like your refined distinction though, because you can work in the business on the hard stuff. Yep. You can work on the business in the hard stuff and still not make progress. Exactly. And, and a lot of times we think we're working hard in the business and we're doing everything we got to do. And we're working hard. I was promised success. I'm working my ass off. I'm mm-hmm. working seven days a week. I miss my kids, uh, soccer game. I didn't get to go to the PTA meeting. I didn't get to, uh, I haven't had a vacation in seven years because mm-hmm. I am working so damn hard. And I was promised success in the American dream. By, by working seven days a week really hard on and in my business. The reality is, it's like, it's not the hard work. It's the difficult work. And nobody's taught us how to do the difficult work. We're not taught how to do the difficult work in high school, in business school, in college, and like sitting down and, and going through that stuff and, and talking to people who have already done it, learning from how they built it in a similar type of industry is, is how you get somewhere. Becoming a blue collar millionaire, you know, building an eight figure blue collar business. So we've got this idea of the hard work, the difficult work, the working with your head versus the doing this stuff as entrepreneurs, how do we identify if we're working on hard work or working on difficult work or, or maybe even another way to ask that would be, how do I figure out what's the difficult work I need to be working on? Usually. So the problem is, is that there's, there's usually about 20 things and you don't know which one to do. Yeah. And it's so much, you just get stuck and you just beat your head against the wall every day. And every day is organized chaos or maybe even disorganized chaos. And and you're just solving the same 20 problems every day. And so for me, the, the way I tackled it in my first business and, and the way I tackle it in my second business, Green Pal, is I almost look at it like a hospital runs an emergency room and I triage 
to what are the things that are happening the most, what are the things we're seeing the most of, and what are the most uh, impactful or detrimental to the business. So it could be it's like we're getting 10 calls a day because our technicians are showing up 30 minutes late. Mm. Okay. Well, that is the thing that is causing our, our net promoter score to go down. It's, it's giving us bad reviews on Google and Yelp and Facebook. It's, it's causing customers not to come back and do business with us. It's, so it's costing us more money to acquire customers because it's harder to sell to new customers. So our, our margins are lower. And it's one of the reasons we're not making any money. Uh, some, somewhere we're losing an hour somewhere. So, and that's, we can't bill for that time. And so it's like nothing else matters until I solve this problem. And it's, and you don't do anything else. Yeah. You, you keep the trains running on time and, and try to keep your head above water and keep everything else, uh, you know, hold everything else together just through hand to hand combat. But you focus all of your intensity on solving that problem. You use the Toyota lean methodology thinking where, they would ask whenever there's a problem you ask, they ask why five times. Mm. And so we do this with GreenPal. And so every time something goes wrong with the GreenPal platform, we ask why five times. And so, so GreenPal is a, is a platform that connects lawn care services with homeowners. And so we have this problem where the lawn care service that the homeowner hired didn't show up on Thursday. Okay. So why didn't he show up? Well, because uh, he didn't know that the route that the lawn was on the route. Okay. Well, why didn't he know the lawn was on the route? Well, because he never got a notification. Well, we, we sent him three text messages. Why didn't he get three text messages? Well, because he uses a, a low cost carrier like cricket and they have voice over IP and our system won't communicate with that. Okay. All right. Now we know well, now we know why he didn't get it. Okay. Well, we need to send him an email and call him whenever our system registers that, that he, that our system's not communicating with him via text. Okay. So that's one root cause for that one instance for why we had a pissed off customer. So you just keep doing that over and over and over again, and you create systems for preventing these things. And so let's say you've got an HVAC business and you got an upset customer because you did a replacement and they didn't go in and change the thermostat. This is top of mind because I, I own some rental property and this happened the other day. I paid somebody $7,000 to, to put in a new HVAC unit and they didn't replace the thermostat and they sent me a bill. And everything was was all itemized on the bill, including the thermostat. And I asked the tenant, it's like, hey, did the thermostat get put in? And they said, no, it's still the same old thermostat from the 70s. And I'm like, damn, I was so upset. I'm like, how are you going to bill me for $7,000 and not do the whole job? Yeah, That's an example. Let's say that's happening a lot in your HVAC business. Okay, well, why did that happen? Well, the tech went out there he, and he had the thermostat on the truck and he, uh, he did the job, but uh, he couldn't get in the house. Okay, so... Well, why did he mark the job as complete? Well, he just he just forgot for some reason. Okay, well, hmm. we need to create a process where he has to take a picture of the thermostat on the wall and and append that to the billing and email that to the customer or text that to the customer, and that's part of the checklist. And so we're going to do that over and over and over again until we solve every single problem for why customers are pissed off. And you just you triage around the ones that are happening the most and the ones that are most impactful. And if you do that over and over and over again, you wake up in a whole new reality where things are running smoother and you're not solving the same 20 or 30 problems every morning. Yeah, I can see people hearing that and going, that's great. I can solve one problem, solve another, solve another. But I have 500 fires burning. How do I find the time to do that? But what I heard you say is you start solving them one at a time and as fast as you can. And in a year, you wake up and you have a completely different business. That's right. That's exactly right. You start small. You got to get some traction and momentum on this stuff. And the problem is nobody 
like everybody wants like that one move on the chessboard to win the game and everybody wants that one system or that one you know software as a service monthly subscription that'll solve all of this stuff and there is no one thing it's it's working through it and developing the routines and modifying the routines it's never done by the way yeah it's never done you're always improving it you have to get some momentum on this and you have to take some action on this and and not get stuck by analysis paralysis where you don't do anything. And uh, yeah, I, I, I've been there and lived it and it's hard, but you gotta, you've got to get some wins on the board. Yeah. We, when we do our, our work, people are always like, I just need help hiring people. I just need help hiring people. I just need more applications, more applications, more applications. That's going to solve my problem. And you know, then I'm like, well, you're not interviewing them fast enough. So you need to solve that problem. And then you're not making offers fast enough. Now you need to solve that problem. And now you're not retaining the guys that you hire. You need to solve that problem. And it's it, it starts to really expose all of the things that go into something as simple as I need more people. A lot of times people yeah, well, forget let's, that. Let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about that for a second because I love that problem. And, and, and I, I see this with, with GreenPal because we connect homeowners with landscaping professionals and, and every single landscaper says the same thing. There are, there is no good help. (laughs) Nobody wants to work. And that's why I can't grow my business. Well, okay. Yeah, that's true. It's a hard problem. I know my first business was a landscaping company and grew it to 150 people and, and turnover was a problem. But there's one thing you have to understand as a business owner, you, you have a value proposition for your customers. And the value proposition goes something like this. If I'm your ideal prospect, why would I do business with you versus anybody else? And the answer always starts with because. And so the answer can't be because you have clean trucks. And it can't be because your employees use wear uniforms. And it can't be because uh, you show up on time. No, it has to be something materially different. It's like if you have an HVAC company and I'm your ideal customer, why would I choose to do business with you versus anybody else? Because we have the only show up on time on your appointment day or your service is half off and we show up on time no matter what, whenever we you book it. You're the only people you can hire in your in our market to do that. Okay, that's a compelling value proposition. It's not yeah. it's not clean trucks and in and in, in, in uniforms. And so and so I say all that to say you also have a value proposition for your employees. If I am your ideal prospect as an HVAC tech, why would I choose to come work for your company over the 20 other HVAC companies I can work for in your market? Mm-hmm. And the answer has to start with because. Because competitive pay, integrity. We treat you right. We care. You know, what does that even mean? Nobody. It's like, it's like <laughs> my soapbox now, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what, is that, what does that even mean? It's like, okay, no, it needs to be something tangible. It's like, because we are the only HVAC company. If you want to go to college, we'll pay for your college. Or we're the only HVAC company that is going to let you work three days a week. Or we're the only HVAC company that is going to make damn sure you're home every Saturday and Sunday. Or we're the only HVAC company that will assist you in putting a down payment on a house. You want to own a home? Come work for our company because we have a three-year plan where we're going to we're going to get you there. You have to figure out where your where your people are trying to get to and you have to be the vehicle to get them there. And if you don't think that way, then you're always going to be beating your head against the wall, you know, hiring techs and interviewing techs and putting ads in on indeed.com or Craigslist or whatever and 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 keeping them for 6 weeks or 6 months and then and and then repeat. And then guess what? Now you don't have happy customers because it's a revolving door of technicians. 
that's the thing. It's like the, the journey of, of discovering your value proposition with customers and employees are, have one similar thing in common. It starts with retention. It starts with how do I, you cannot build a successful business off of not retaining customers and not retaining employees. You just can't. So you have to start with retention on both and you have to figure out how do I keep customers coming back? How do I keep employees staying? And it almost doesn't matter. How do I, how do I get more people to sign up or how do I get more people to apply? Those problems almost don't, don't matter until you get the retention piece solved. Oh, I, I mean, owners, entrepreneurs all the time. They're like, I just have a hiring problem. No one wants to work anymore. Everybody's lazy. Everybody's entitled. No one wants to show up. And I say, how many people do you have on your team right now? And they'll be like, oh, 45. I go, how many W-2s did you issue last year? 117. Oof. You don't have a hiring problem. Right. <laughs> you have a retention well problem. Well said. So well said. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's the one thing, like we solve retention problems and almost the hiring problems go away. Right. But I also find too that, you know, and I'm sure you deal with this on the customer side, you start hiring better employees and you'll keep them. You know, you keep hiring the employees that aren't a fit for you. Just like if you take on those difficult customers all the time, because right. they're the ones that show up, eventually you're going to have a business that's, that's you're really not excited about. That's anymore. so true. But I want to go back to some of the stuff you said. So much value here, right here. We almost have just a checklist of all the things you said. Yep. Got to do that. Got to do that. Work on the difficult things, not the hard things. And the difficult things are, they're the things that are going to drive your business forward, going to get you out of the day to day. The things that are actually going to give you a business you're excited about. You use the example of the, the customer piece and, and the customer retention and the, and the customer satisfaction and starting to solve those real world problems, not just the, Oh, we're short a guy. I guess I better go in the truck and get on a job today. Right. That's not, there's a time and a, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. But you can't live there. Yeah, that the, you just you nailed it. If you every time you ha- you're having to jump in the truck and pick up the pieces, ask why five times, mm. and then start and start fixing there. Yeah, and then you did. You gave that piece of advice. Ask why five times, which I'm sure most people listening have heard that. But when you're in the thick of it and the fire is burning, it's really hard to step out of the fire and say, okay, let me ask five times why this fire is burning. Right. (laughs) But I think you have to be conscious of that. You have to be aware of that, that this is what's going to give you the business you've always wanted is stepping back and asking why and really understanding. And then we, we jumped into people and talked about the hiring and the retention. It's really not much different getting attracting good people as it is attracting customers same problems different messaging you know we've got customer satisfaction we've got employee satisfaction we've got customers that come back for repeat business we've got employees that show up on day two like it's almost the same problems but the way we solve them slightly different because the messaging different which is why one of our taglines over at core matters is that recruiting is not an hr problem recruiting is a marketing problem and mm, I like that. When you make that shift, all of a sudden recruiting becomes so much easier because you're already solving marketing problems all day long in your business. That's right. Now you just got to do it just a little bit different message. So you built up a landscaping company, 150 employees exited and then decided, you know what? This blue collar landscaping thing was fun, but whew, it was hard work. So I'm going to go start a tech company because that's going to be a lot easier, right? Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, I spent 15 years building my landscaping business and, and then it was acquired by a big national company. And then that, like, that was really hard. And so got that done. And then I thought, whew, I don't ever want to do anything that hard again. <laughs> and, and so, and so selling the business, it was, uh, it was nice because, because I didn't have to work anymore. It wasn't like I was yacht on the Caribbean rich, but I mean, I, 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 I had enough 
from the exit where I could live a comfortable middle-class lifestyle and not have to worry about money. And, and so I guess you could say I got on first base or maybe second base. And so now I'm thinking, well, you know, I kind of want to like pull back and just invest and do some passive things. And, and, and it, you know, it would be cool to have like, to run like a tech business because in a tech business, you don't have all of these people and you don't, you don't have all of these trucks and equipment. Like in my landscaping company, I had 90 trucks. I had three mechanics full time. That's all they did was fix trucks and lawnmowers and stuff. And so it was like, you don't have that. You don't have any of that stuff. And I thought, man, it, it could be so much easier to run a to run a tech company. And it, it looked easy in the movie The Social Network. You know, why 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 can't I do that? So <laughs> and so I I had an idea that somebody was going to build a platform or a, you know a mobile app and a website to connect lawn care services with homeowners because I saw this problem every day running my landscaping business. And I saw what Uber was doing at the time. And I thought, well, why can't that be me? How hard could it be? And two of my friends wanted to be my co-founders on the project because we thought it would be like a one or two year thing. And so we did that. And it was, it wasn't like three months in, I, I came to the realization like, whoa, this is, this is 10 times harder than the last thing. This is way harder than the last thing. And there was so many things I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know. It was like so many blind spots, so many, so many things I had to learn. And I thought that because I had built and sold a business already that I was starting on first base, but really it was, it was starting a business. It was like, I was a first time founder all over again because a tech business is so different. Mm. And the one key thing that made it so much more difficult wasn't, like learning, I had to learn how to code, learn how to build software, learn how to design software, learn how to market software. It was the simple thing of when you're starting a tech company, most of the time you're inventing a brand new product from scratch that nobody knows to use, nobody knows exists, nobody knows how to use, and you have to educate the market on on how to use this new thing. If you're running a landscaping business, running a construction business, running a home cleaning business, running a re- remodeling company... It's a known playbook. People know to you, do business with that business. People know where to find it. People know kind of what, what goes on with hiring that kind of business. And so you, there's kind of a known playbook that you can just work really hard on and out hustle your competition. A tech company isn't like that. You're having to figure it out as you go. There is no roadmap that nobody knows to use this thing. And so that was really, really challenging. It took about three, four years for us to get some traction, but but now we're we're a ten year overnight success. Uh, we're nationwide, United States, around three hundred thousand people using Green Pal to get lawn mowing done. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of lessons we could talk about this journey of besides just learning to code and learning to develop a new product and take something brand new to market that no one knows that they that exists or that they even want yet. Like that's the thing about a new market. Like I didn't even know I wanted Uber right. landscaping. Uh, it's a great idea, Brian. Let me let me look into that. Yeah. I imagine you're solving some of the same challenges here because you're attracting customers. And you're attracting employees, and I'm using air quotes around employees because these contractors are essentially, they're the business people. They're the ones doing the work. They're the ones getting out there. You've got to attract them to your platform, and you have to attract the the homeowner to your platform. It's almost like a biz, uh, customers and employees. You've got to attract different people with different messaging, and and you're building it up with, I think you said 300,000 homeowners and what, about 30,000 contractors? That's right. You're a busy yep. guy, or at least your team is. <laughs> at least your team is very busy being able to manage all of that. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, in, in in now that we're ten years in, we've built the company to around forty seven people now, and so it's different because rather than mechanics and and lawn care techs, I've got engineers and developers and and system ad- admins and SEO professionals, and and so it's different. It's different types of people that we manage in the company. But to your point, we have two kind of customers. We've got consumers, homeowners that own or rent a home that that have tall grass that need somebody to just to just to mow it. And then we have contractors that make their living, their livelihood in the lawn care industry. And we have to figure out what, how do we market to them? And how do we make their life better? And so it's two sets of value propositions and we have to tweak and tune each kind of on the fly. Because sometimes if you over, if you, if you over optimize to one side, it comes at the detriment of the other side. Uber is kind of the same way. Every, every Uber rider wants the same thing. I want them to show up in 60 seconds and just hang out outside. I'll, I'll be out there when I'm ready. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it might be 10 minutes, but you just, you just wait out there. And the driver's like, dude, I got, I could have done three other rides while I'm waiting on you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and so, Funny. so they're at odds, you know, yeah. they're at odds. And, and, and so we're, we're in a similar dynamic where consumers like, you know, kind of want to let it grow six feet tall and you only get it mowed three times a year. And, and the, the pros like, dude, that's terrible on my equipment. I can't do that. You know? And so, so we're having to, we're having to like balance the, the wants and needs of, of both sides of the marketplace and figuring that out and figuring out how do you make those value propositions like come into alignment with, with one another. Cause a lot of times they're at odds is challenging. It's one of the challenges of running this type of business, but uh, it's very similar to when I was running my landscaping business because I had customers. They wanted somebody to be there every Friday before five to make sure the lawn looks good for the weekend. And then I had employees that, you know, wanted to take off on Friday to go go to the lake. And it's like, okay, how do you balance those? And so it's very similar in that way. And you're always discovering how do you optimize and tune your messaging? How do you and how do you optimize your value proposition for the stakeholders in your business? And now it's at scale. Now, instead of 150 employees, I have 36,000 contractors that use the platform. They're not my employees, but they use the, the platform that we built. And so we're always experimenting with, okay, how do we make these guys more money with less headache? And that's what it, what it boils down to. For contractors, we try to figure out how do we employ, improve their livelihood? Because if we can't, they won't use it. And if they won't use it, we don't have a product for consumers. I, I think that's a great way to wrap up this episode because that's working on the difficult problems, right? You could learn to code. Exactly. You could learn a little bit fancier SEO or or do some new advertising right. campaign, but that's just the hard work that you now have people to do. But helping your contractors be able to get the lifestyle they want out of their business, that's the difficult problem. That's and right. I think that's what you're you're working here to solve with Green Pal now. Uh, Brian, this was amazing. I got so many notes here and I know that there are people that are taking away stuff. Like I said, you need to have a checklist of all the things that, that you mentioned in that episode because there was so much value in it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned so much and um, I, I look forward to, to learning more from you and seeing what Green Pal is going to be doing in the future. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a Titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, 
would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? Go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.